We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Chris Middleton, D'Angelo Russell, Draymond Green. These are all names the Brooklyn Nets will not get in free agency. Yeah, it will be probably a very boring free agency for the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to jump into that end plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Hit that subscribe button, drop a review. But as you mentioned, Jack, you know, the Nets do not have much flexibility. You know, obviously their main concern is their own free agent, specifically Cam Johnson, who we'll talk about in a in a second. But overall, I wouldn't expect anything exciting, you know, unless it's a trade this offseason from the Nets, given their cap situation and what they have working right now. And, you know, the different cap holds still, you know, on their salary sheet until they sign Cam Johnson, until they sign these rookies to, you know, their NBA deals, and then potentially what happens with uh, David Duke Jr., Andrew Smith. So there's just all different types of things, you know, you and I were kind of talking about before we jumped on, and it's like, you know, one of the biggest moves the Nets might make is dumping salary. You know, it might be dumping Joe Harris, it might be dumping Patty Mills or Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney-Smith to try to get under that luxury tax. Obviously, new CBA details dropped today. We're not going to jump into those until, you know, they get a little bit more clarified. We've mentioned them a little bit in the past, but as of right now, you know, if the Nets aren't contending, you kind of understand why they want to avoid some of those penalties and maintain a lot of flexibility. And that means... Probably not an exciting offseason unless there's a splashy trade. The exciting part could be that Cam Johnson comes back, Nick, and we saw it was reported that the Nets extend him a qualifying offer. What does that mean for people who might not know the machinations of qualifying offers and what it means for restricted free agents with their respective teams? Yeah, so the deadline for Cam Johnson to receive an extension was in October when he was still on the Suns, and he rejected their extension. And up until that point, you know, the Nets weren't unable to. Was extend it like four sixty four and four seventy ish? I think it was like four seventy two. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but. Uh, so the Nets never had an opportunity to extend Cam Johnson and giving him a qualifying offer just guarantees he's going to be a restricted free agent. So this is just normal kind of paperwork and you wouldn't anticipate a deal happening until, you know, June 30th, you know, when free agency starts and it would be announced. So nothing to really worry about on the front. It's just what you expect. And also like from Cam's perspective, you know, just re-signing with the Nets and not listening to the market just wouldn't be smart from a business perspective. So even if a deal isn't announced, you know, right at the start of free agency, 
I don't think it's the end of the world because like if I, if I was Cam Johnson's agent, I would tell him to tell the Nets like, yeah, we'd love to sign a deal, but we're still going to listen. You know, if someone's offering you, you know, five to $10 million more, that's a decision you have to think about. You know, it's like their life. It's not just their, you know, NBA life. It's just money that can have a drastic impact and, you know, future generations of young Cam Johnson, if he ever has kids. Yeah, he might move down to Australia to have some of his kids with the way he's been <laughs> hanging around at all of our stadiums. I can't believe I haven't bumped into him yet. Yeah. But in saying that, the one thing, and check out the episode we did a couple of days ago discussing the Dame rumors and really diving deep into Cam Johnson stuff because there was a lot of interesting discussion that you and I had. But the one thing that I didn't mention on that one was just about Cam Johnson in terms of the age that he is. Like he's 27 now, so this could be his contract. You know, what is he going to look like 31 or 32? It's, you know, he's not a superstar. He still might get a a decent deal, but this is going to be his life-changing money. So individually, as you alluded to, Nick, balancing up the different options from opposing teams, Detroit, Indiana, Sacramento, all these teams that have a bit of space, he's going to have to take that into account. Houston as well, obviously, we've discussed uh, at length. So it'll be interesting to see what Cam Johnson does. You know, again, if you want to hear our full deep dive into that a couple of days ago, I don't know how many podcasts ago we've done a lot of them. It's been a lot of fun. So check into a, a heap of good stuff into the Nets uh, Brooklyn Buzz archives. Yeah, especially because free agency is going to start on Friday. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of anticipation, a lot of rumors. So, you know, you'll get a little antsy, drop into some Brooklyn Buzz podcasts, especially the one we did yesterday with Tyler. Uh, really great stuff on the draft. But talking a little bit more about the Nets cap situation, you know, this is just, you know, this is probably not an official number, but just based off of what's publicly available. You know, this is with just Cam Johnson's cap hole and cap holds for the 21st and 22nd pick, you know, Whitehead and Clowney, the Nets would be about 170 million. The luxury tax number is 165. The first apron is 172 and the second apron is 182. So clearing cap is going to be something that they look to do, as I mentioned. So they're not in a great spot, especially for a team that's likely not to contend for a championship this year. So in terms of the free agents, Jack, where do you want to start there? I just want to get to the rumor that I discussed with you off wax, Nick, in okay. case people, a lot of people probably are listening to, to Zach Lowe and a lot of other credentialed NBA podcasts, but he mentioned a Royce and for Chetty Osmond trade in terms of the Cavaliers, them upgrading at the wing, Donovan Mitchell has ties to him, but also the Nets save a little bit of money getting Chetty Osmond on the books. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We've seen also Royce O'Neal working out pretty heavily. He's going to be going to the summer league with the Nets. So take with everything with a grain of salt. But when Zach Lowe speaks, you know, and Brian Winhorst speaks, these sort of guys who are certainly in the loop, it's worth listening to. So, uh, but I guess diving into the free agents. Just one more quick note on Royce. Sorry, Jack, to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Royce's contract is not fully guaranteed. So if they really just wanted to save money, they could just cut him and I believe save $7 million. So just... You know, not saying that's going to happen because they potentially could add, you know, a second round pick in a trade with the Cavs. And I think Jetty Osmond's contract is not fully guaranteed. And I don't think it would have to be fully guaranteed if sent to the Nets because they could take him into the trade exception. But I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but just something to think about. Yeah, follow the Chetty, I guess, is something we might <laughs> have to... Well, whatever they're saying, the Star Wars things were that the, the Cleveland Cavaliers fans did. And, you know, we're not doing Donovan Mitchell trades here, unfortunately, or Darius Garland. But we are getting into guys like Dario Saric, Cam Reddish, Mike Muscala, Nick. That's where we're going. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the Nets will have access to the taxpayer mid-level exception. Depending on what they do, will kind of determine if they will use it. And that's around $5 million this year. So there could be a couple, you know, non-veteran minimum guys they do look at. But it's going to be hard to kind of determine who falls into that. It's going to be easier after we see the first and second week of free agency, given, 
you know, a lot of teams are going to probably be, you know, a little stingy with their money, you know, and even using the mid-level exception, because like I mentioned, all the different restrictions out there. So I guess if we just touched on a quick, you know, tax taxpayer mid-level exception, guys, maybe Dante DiVincenzo, you know, there's been reports he might get the full MLE. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I think an interesting guy that the Nets could maybe pursue would be someone like Paul Reed, um, you know, maybe Lonnie Walker, you know, those would just be some guys, some young, youngish guys that maybe make sense and that's could find a decent deal for them and use, you know, what they have. But like I said, it's really going to be determined by what they do with other salaries. Yeah, it seems unlikely that any of those sort of, you know, guys will head back. I think a lot of them are more likely to to re-up with their, their, their current teams, but yeah, funny things have happened, you know, but the Nets obviously drafting Clowney, wanting to add Paul Reed to the day on Sharp. Nick Claxton sort of mixed. Lonnie Walker did some nice things in the playoffs, a bit of a flash in the pan, a bit of a spark plug. But, you know, do you prioritize him over a Cam Thomas? I probably wouldn't. Dante DiVincenzo is a guy that intrigues me, but I think he'll garner greater interest from yeah. opposing teams. There's be able to a report the Knicks are heavily interested in him. Oh. Yeah, the Villanova ties with Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, those sort of guys. As long as I stay away from Mikael Bridges, don't really care where he goes, but yeah, keep away from from our boy. But in, yeah, in saying that, I think the Nets are more likely to get guys that are going to be in the veteran minimum. And it's not going to be sexy, but I also think that these guys that we are going to discuss could contribute in the rotation for the Nets. You know, might have a, a bit of pop, you know, with a, a couple of different names here and there. So, look, it's not going to be a sexy talk, guys. But in saying that, you know, we love the nitty gritty here at the Buzz. Yeah, I mean, it's the, what we have coming. You know, it's uh, we can't really change the salary cap for the Nets. And I think also one more note: the Nets could use the taxpayer mid-level exception on Utah Watanabe if they wanted to go that route. You know, if they wanted to bring Utah back they could give him a little bit of a raise. I'm not sure how they feel about him given, you know, where he was in the rotation, you know, at the end of the season in the playoffs, but Jack hit me with some of your veteran minimum ideas. I want to keep going with you to Watanabe because I think he's the guy that I'm most interested in Nick, because, you know, from being a Joe Harris stand or a Patty Mills stand, I became a to Watanabe stand this year. A lot of people lost their minds at him sort of talking about, he's decided his future. He was talking about team Japan and he, sort of said, don't use Google Translate, guys. I'm just talking about the World Cup this summer for Japan. Yeah. Obviously, with Rui Hachimura, Rui Hachimura pulling out, you to sort of headlining their national team over there for FIBA basketball. So, And we've also heard that there are there has been interest from the Phoenix Suns in terms of signing him to the veteran minimum. I think Utah's probably going to decide which which team values him best, which team gives him the best role, which team could give him the best contract and, and security sort of there. And maybe the I most playing really, time too. And the most playing time, you know, what what is the role that the teams could provide for him? I think in Phoenix, he'd have a solid enough role in comparison to what we saw in Brooklyn. We saw him play alongside Kevin Durant really bloody well. I wanted to stick around because I think that if I think Jacques Vaughn underutilized him, you know, quite a bit. And I think that there were little niggles with injuries here and there. And I thought, I'm just like, okay, well, surely he's recovered from this little mini injury here. Why aren't we seeing him in the rotation? I think that Jacques Vaughn was a little bit stubborn with him, but I'd love to see you to Watsonabe back. I think he's three-point shooting to start the season was incredible. I think he's somewhere in the middle. He's not necessarily the best three-point shooter in the league, but we did see a great improvement in his mechanics and fluidity there. I think he's a good rebound. I think he shows good tenacity as a defender. I think he runs the floor really well. I think he would just fit on any NBA team. And if it's not Brooklyn, he's going to get picked up somewhere. I hope it is in Brooklyn, but I think the likelihood is decreasing more than increasing in terms of his chances. 
Yeah. And I think it's also important to note is the Nets don't necessarily have a ton of roster spots as well, you know, with the two draft picks and potentially three draft picks coming in, depending on what they do with Jalen Wilson, you know, there's going to be limited opportunities to fill out the roster and they're going to have to decide if they want to roll with him again, or, you know, or if he wants to roll with them. And I think, you know, just off rip Phoenix makes a ton of sense. You know, he's a guy that I think excels playing with stars and can sit in the corner and just knock down threes and do the dirty work where, in Brooklyn, they don't really have those stars quite yet. You know, Mikel, you know, is trending in that direction, but after him, it's not really very star oriented, or there's not necessarily a ton of creation to allow him to get those wide open threes. Yeah. So I think you two might not be sticking around, which might suck quite a bit, but at the end of the day, he's going to be producing somewhere. And I hope that's in the Nets uniform, but if it's not, I hope it's he's doing it somewhere uh, bloody well also. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Jack, all right, let's kick off with the vet minimum guys. No, you already mentioned Dario Saric. Uh, O'Shea Brissett is another guy that's kind of been tied to the Nets in the past a little bit. You know, has been in and out of the rotation in Indiana, has pretty good size. Maybe they could kind of do something with him. Um, Saric is a guy that Ben Simmons loved playing with. Um, and he's been, I think the Nets have had interest in the past, not recently, but a couple seasons ago. So those are two guys that I think really potentially could land in Brooklyn. Uh, Cam Reddish was not given a qualifying offer today. Will be an unrestricted free agent. You know, that's kind of a guy worth taking a flyer on. You know, it hasn't worked out for him in the NBA so far, but he is very talented. Yeah, look, when it comes to Cam Reddish, you know, I was, I think that he hasn't got a, a great shot from the teams that have gone after him and, and traded for him. You know, first it was the Knicks. And I think that the front office wanted him to get a better shot in New York than Tom Thibodeau really gave to him. I think he's got a lot of talent. You know, he's a lottery pick. I think he was 10th, I believe, a couple of years ago. I think this is a guy that has a lot of athletic pop. I think he can create his own shot a little bit. He's a wonderful athlete. So I think out of the guys, you know, if we're talking free agent upside, yeah, he's the one that sort of sticks out the most. I think he'll be looking for 
a, a place where he can showcase his skills so then he can get somewhat of a payday heading into uh, next year's free agency. But I, I think that, you know, he might take like a, a sort of a one-year deal, you know, give him, let him showcase what he's got and then you know, go elsewhere. But yeah, Cam Reddish is a guy that intrigues me a lot. You know, it's sort of like Jonathan Kaminga lights in, in in a lot of respects. I think he's a little bit older, obviously, but this guy's got talent. And I think you can you bank on talent. You bank on, you know, the sort of wings. It's a wings league, as KD sort of said. So Cam Reddish, I'd, I'd, been, I'd love to have him in a Nets uniform. Yeah, and makes a little bit more sense too if they do trade off of some of the other wings on the roster. Now it kind of provides a real opportunity for him to do his thing and see, you know, how he can develop. And we've talked about the staff a million times in the last month and kind of what the goal is with the assistant coaches. And that's to get the best out of, a, you know, the the players on the roster and the young guys fulfilling, you know, their skill sets. But who else you got, Jack? I want to chat on Dario Saric a little bit, Nick, because yeah. I think his three-point shooting is the thing that intrigues me the most. I honestly think that a team that banks on him and actually gives him a genuine shot, he can be a spacing big. You know, in Phoenix, he showed... You know, he can before, you know, the ACL injury that he can play some small ball five a little bit. So if you have him and Claxton out there, that's a front court that would intrigue me a lot. Obviously, you know, how does he feel with his injuries? How does he feel with his body? That's something you're sort of looking looking into. But, you know, if you bank on the vet minimum, these are the guys you sort of bank on. You know, I think that Nets have looked for a floor space seem big for, for quite a while. And I think Dario Saric, when it comes to this list of bigs that can kind of do that, him, Thomas Bryant, Mike Muscala, Dario Saric is the guy that I would go after. Yeah, I think, and like I mentioned, you know, a few seasons ago, the Nets had interest and he just makes sense. And you could see him, you know, feeling comfortable in Brooklyn. And like you said, you know, finally kind of recovered from that ACL injury in 21, 22, you know, now it's kind of two years after that, maybe he's, you know, feeling pretty healthy. He's only, I think going to be 29 this upcoming season. So definitely someone to consider. And he's also just like one of those guys that can play basketball. He's not like extremely skilled or anything, but it's not like uh, he has the ball in his hands and he's super scared. Yeah. He rebounds it kind of well, has some size to him. You know, we always, again, I think I bring up this every single episode, but I want people to know that we just like guys that can hoop. And he yeah. seems to be a guy that can kind of do that. You know, he's, and I think the three point shooting is the thing that sticks out the most, but I think he can score a little bit more than that. Not a three level score. I think his three point shooting is his greatest asset and weapon as a big fella. So look, if the Nets were to get Dario Saric instead of, you know, your Bobby Portises and, and the other names that we've sort of discussed, wouldn't hate it. Yeah. Especially if they're trying to save money this off season. And you know, that, Definitely looks like it could be a real possibility, like I mentioned, with the new CBA and, you know, the goals of this year for the Brooklyn Nets. But uh, Thomas Bryan, another guy you mentioned, you know, didn't really play well with the Lakers, you know, asked for a trade, ended up with Denver. What were your thoughts on him? And do you think that he can kind of bounce back or is his defense just too bad to be, you know, a successful NBA big? Look, it's it's what offsets your your weaknesses. You know, in the playoffs, how much are you going to play a Thomas Bryan? Probably not a lot, but as your backup sort of beat that you throw out there for 10, 15 minutes, you ask him to just sit on the corners for a little bit and you have a defensive unit that can cover some of that. The Nets have that. But I think 
as I alluded to, the, the premium for the Nets right now is we've got a great defensive unit. Nick Claxton is one of the best switchable bigs in the league. They need a, a big man that can either rebound and shoot the three or do both. And I think Thomas Bryant might be the guy who can do the best of both things out of the, the bigs that we're sort of alluding to here. You can maybe make an argument with Dario Saric in, in that sort of regard. But I think Thomas Bryant has shown enough throughout his career as an offensive big man that it's like, you know, you've got the offense sort of defense combination with him and Claxton then you know who what who knows what happens with with Noah Clowney next year and going forward but as a sort of placeholder sort of guy for a year or two Thomas Bryan isn't the the worst sort of backup big that you can add to your list yeah the thing that's interesting with him is you know his three-point shooting just doesn't have much volume that's what it's like very interesting you know he's never had a season where he shot pretty much over two attempts from three could he improve that volume and you know try to really space the floor? That could be something. You know, I recall a game a few seasons ago where he knocked down like three or four threes against the Nets. And I think, you know, rebounding wise, he's solid. You know, you'd expect him maybe to be a little bit more impactful given his, you know, physicality and size. But again, you know, when you're signing a vet minimum guy, there's gonna be plenty of flaws. Yeah, and maybe his priority is if he's going to sign the vet minimum, why doesn't he just sign the vet minimum with Denver, give him a, a decent ch- chance of just winning another ring and, and having that sort of environment. But maybe he's looking for extra playing time, and I think the Nets would give him greater opportunity there. You know, I think that's uh, that's where it, it, it's the balance for all of these guys when it comes to balancing what are the opportunities for playing time, what are the opportunity costs when it comes to getting a decent contract or bank on one year, then get another nice contract. It'll be interesting to see how a lot of these sort of fringe guys that could add something to the Nets roster balance their own priorities. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's going to be, you know, how much do they believe in the Nets and what does their roster look like after they make a few trades? You know, what opportunities are available to these guys? I think, you know, ideally you'd love to kind of find a young guard that maybe you could, you know, have that could grow with the Nets or, you know, has some untapped potential. Just not really a ton in the veteran minimum point guard market. You know, a lot of them are... They're lit- Age they're old. They're just, yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy that you can maybe, if you consider either of them, young Dennis Smith Jr. or or Kendrick Nunn, but I don't think either of those guys. I think maybe Aaron Dennis Holiday. Smith Jr., maybe Aaron Holiday a little bit as well. All of those guys had varying glimpses of success with, you know, I think Dennis Smith Jr. was wonderful defensively last year uh, in Charlotte, but I just rather, you know, give that time to, to Cam Thomas. You know, mm-hmm. I just rather like not have another guard come in and just like sort of be the Seth Curry sort of type where it's just like, really? Like we've got this this other guard that we can give a, a bit of development to. And we discussed that with, with Tyler a little bit on our last pod so i think if you're going the guard route i'd rather have either like you sort of said a, a young upside sort of guy where it's you know dejounte murray anthony simons these sort of dudes or it's you know veteran Corey joseph delon wright monte morris these and Corey joseph does fit the mold as a sort of veteran uh, that we sort of alluded to and you know have discussed you know a little bit and you know I think he shoots the three ball well. I think he'd be a nice veteran presence in, in the locker room but you know his priorities are going to be probably ring chasing or maybe he gets something a little bit more but i think he's always been a sort of steadying presence in a, in a similar way to what delon Wright is yeah or like we've talked about a million times in the pot already you know maybe they trade for one of these upside guards you know maybe it's someone from orlando or someone from washington or just you know the different potential out there to fill out the roster and adding you know guard and getting off other contracts and roster spots i think you know, maybe you could talk yourself into like Reggie Jackson, but he's not really much of a table setter. He's more of a scoring guard. Same thing with Austin Rivers. So you're probably not looking at those guys. 
after that, it's like the it's really slim picking, especially for the net situation. You know, maybe um, you look at like Justice Winslow, you know, somebody who's kind of up and down his NBA career has had good moments, someone you kind of take a flyer on. But really, you know, I think you if you had to sign one veteran minimum guy, you're looking to probably sign a veteran minimum big. Yeah, exactly. And it's the the Dario Saric types, Thomas Bryant, the, these sort of dudes. Look, and I think, I don't know if, if Mo Wagner fits the sort of mold or is somewhere in between, Nick. I know um, our mates at, at Locked On Nets have had plenty of discussions around him. But because the, the big position is, there is a massive glut, you know, in Orlando with Goga Batadze also sort of fitting into uh, that discussion as well. You know, they've got Wendell Carter Jr., they've got Jonathan Isaac, they've got just, just a lot of big guys. You know, Palo Banchero, think sort of fits that sort of model as well as playing could play small ball five so maybe the nets find uh, some opportunity cost and sort of going hey mo why don't you come down to new york and you know he's youngish and he sort of fits he's probably closer and i think that there is a little bit upside there i think he might be maybe one of the better three-point shooting bigs that goes a a little bit underrated but i think he wouldn't be the the worst out in the world and if you were giving him the sort of taxpayer mid-level five six seven million dollars for like a year or two i wouldn't hate that you know, you'd rather be giving that to him than you know patty mills like the nets have been doing the last couple of years yeah i think also you know if you don't even have to use the full thing even if you're just giving him like i don't know three million dollars like i think his vet minimum contract would be around like two something if you can give him that one one million dollar boost that might be enough for a guy that hasn't necessarily made a ton of nba money and there's a real opportunity for him. He has some size to him. He's improved in Orlando compared to what we've seen the rest of his NBA career. Can be a little annoying to the opposing team. You know, he had that incident with Detroit, I think it was last year too. So, you know, I mean, like we said, there's it's just there's not necessarily a, a great, great pool to pick from, especially with the Nets limited spending power. That would be a guy that definitely checks some boxes and, you know, even could potentially like, let's say you get him on a two year deal with the taxpayer mid-level exception, you know, maybe, you know, he ends up working out in Brooklyn and now all of a sudden he's your like long-term backup big, you know, he has a three point shot. He has size. Yeah. I think he'd be in terms of the the front court rotation could be a short term or, or medium sort of term option sort of fits the timeline more of like Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, you know, he's in his mid to late twenties. Yeah. He's not, you know, necessarily Mike Muscala. He's not necessarily, you know, and I the, think Mike a, a, Muscala um, was part of um, the Marcus Smart trade. So his contract, I think, was guaranteed for Washington. So he was supposed to be a free agent because he had a team option with Boston. But I think with the trade, he's staying put in Washington unless they waive him, which is not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. And if that were the case, I think we've spoken about Mike Muscala quite a, a bit in, in different varying forms on the pod probably more so when Ben Simmons was healthy and when the Nets were, were healthy and firing with their their superstars. But Nick, there aren't a lot of other names to really sort of discuss. The only other sort of two I had, and one kind of is a free agent, it's sort of been rumored in trade. Troy Brown Jr. and I had Kenyon Martin Jr. as well. Uh, uh, either of those names, anything worth discussing? Yeah, I think Kenyon Martin Jr. is definitely worth discussing. The Nets have been tied to him in... Uh, potential trade with Houston. I think it was in a uh, Jake Fisher piece. So, you know, if he were to hit the market, the Nets would definitely have interest or they could potentially, you know, maybe make a small move with Houston and send some second round picks for him. You know, I think that'd be a really nice upside target. You know, somebody who's shown some pop, has some energy athleticism to his game and, you know, just only 22 as well. Yeah. Hustles, you know, obviously his dad played for the Nets and, you know, that'd be pretty cool. 
Yeah, uh, look, uh, in terms of we speak of like young upside guys, and we've mentioned him in the past, but I think now we can discuss him a little bit more. You know, I mean, he averaged over 10 points, over five boards, you know, shot nearly 57% from the field. You know, the three point shooting isn't anything to write about home about. Average. But, you know, he, yeah, that's, uh, maybe a little bit under, but yeah, in the terms two seasons of, prior, he was a little bit better. This year, he dropped down to 31%. 32, yeah, yeah. 30, 31 and a half. So, and and look, he plays as well. Like in the last couple of years, he's played you know seventy nine games, eighty two games. So I think that availability you know is is something to sort of speak about as well. So I think out of the names on this list, the ones that excite me the most, even though they're not you know necessarily your Dejounte Murray's, Damian Lillard's, those sort of guys. I think Kenyon Martin Jr. because I think there's a lot of growth in the the athleticism is, is certainly there cam reddish certainly excites me and even to a lesser extent a guy dario sharich or mo wagner yeah and i think um you know the exciting stuff is more likely to happen in trade just given the, the amount of players on the roster or the as i mentioned a million times already the restrictions in which they can spend and also just like what else is out there and what other teams are trying to do you know it just for the nets it's just going to be kind of a boring free agency now Watch us say, you know, watch the Nets trade off of a million contracts and open up, you know, the full mid-level exception and sign someone really good. I don't see that happening, but it's not impossible. And until that happens, no, with, until uh, the trade does happen, we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, and I think because Dorian Finney-Smith would have to go, Joe Harris would have to go, Spencer Dillian would probably have to go to open up a lot of those different avenues. But to sort of round this discussion up, Nick, you know, I probably mentioned my couple of names that I would be most intrigued about to add to this Nets roster, I think, could actually genuinely contribute. You know, Darius Sarich, Cam Reddish, Kenny Martin Jr. Those are the sort of guys for me that would be at the, the top of this list. If you could pick two or three names, do you have any other different ones other than the ones that I just alluded to? No, those would probably be my picks. You know, as maybe O'Shea Brissett would be someone interesting, but as like I mentioned, he's been kind of in and out of the rotation. Indiana, everyone else just has major flaws or just doesn't really make sense because you know who they are as NBA players, you know. Maybe the Nets wanted to get, uh, let's say they trade off Spencer Dinwiddie and go with a young point guard, and then maybe a, a veteran guy makes more sense. You know, maybe it's like a Corey Joseph would make more sense in that situation. But with what they have constructed right now, it's it's hard to predict, you know, how interested they are going to be in veteran guys and how much they want to win the season and how much they want a player develop. Yeah, the, the direction hasn't necessarily been set yet. So, like, obviously, free agency has started starting in a couple of days' time, and that could indicate, okay, well, this is where the Nets going to be going. You know, this is Damian Lillard, is it, trading off guys to free up some cap yeah. space? We've heard varying degrees of, of of truth to all of those things. The Nets have been linked to Damian Lillard. The Nets have been linked to getting off Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, I'm really, Spencer Dewey, all the There's just a lot of different avenues that can happen, but I don't... The thing that I just want the most, and I think we've discussed this together, is like, let's just figure out what it's going to be. You know, yeah. you can't be in too, you have your feet in the shallow end and the deep end. You've got to pick a lane. We've told Sean Marks to do that as well. We've heard from Joe Sy, you know, in varying degrees as well. So we'll see in a couple of days' times, things will be a bit more illuminated in terms of the direction the Nets are going to take. As long as there is a, a clear and definite direction, that's going to be... It's at least comforting to sort of know as as fans and as podcasters. Yeah, I think uh, there's three lanes, you know, just like a typical, you know, road in, you know, the United States or the highway. You know, you have the left lane, the fast lane, the middle lane, which is kind of in between. The right lane is the slow lane. And the right lane would be the rebuild. The middle lane would be kind of keeping the roster intact, but getting some upside guys and giving you the flexibility to go right or left. The fast lane, the left lane would be 
you know, trading for that superstar and trying to get back into contention. And they all have, yeah. you know, varying degrees of success and impact in what you're doing it. Yeah. And I think just a note on the sort of rebuilding lane because of the Nets, you know, their picks being tied to Houston, that lane has road work some, right now. <laughs> yeah. Has some road work going on. Look, there's a lot of road work happening down in, in Melbourne that is incredibly frustrating. So look, the, the road works is something to, to keep an eye when it comes to the rebuilding lane. I think that's less likely, especially because Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, these guys aren't 22. They're not Cam yeah. Reddish, Anthony Simons. You know, this isn't a young nucleus. It's a, a middling sort of nucleus, a, a mature ish nucleus. So I think that, Look, if the Nets go down that route, I'd be surprised. But if they did, they would have traded Mikael Bridges for shade for you know, Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons. That's yeah. what would have happened. But we didn't see that happen. So it seems to me that the rebuilding route isn't likely, but funny things have happened. Yeah, yeah. I think that nails it, Jack. Um, anything else before we get out of here? A couple of days, Nick, and we'll probably know how long Cam Johnson's going to be in net for. Well, a couple of days and we might know if, Damian Lillard ever decides if he's going to leave Portland or just continue to leak rumors to Chris Haynes that we need to discuss. It's it's not long, but there's lots and lots of content to consume at the buzz. Almost too much. In fact, there isn't too much. You've got a lot of time. Get on those episodes. There's a, a plenty of great stuff to, to sink your teeth into. 100%. And, you know, we potentially will have to drop an emergency pot tomorrow if something gets leaked, but most likely you'll hear from us after free agency starts and the Nets make a move. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.